I'm Mike Boyle, the associate interim pastor here at the Village Church, and uh, good to be with you. Welcome you to worship with us today. So if you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be doing a four-week series in Advent here as we come into uh, the Christmas season. And uh, when you think of Advent, we're able to look around the room here and see all the decorations that are here that were not here last week. And that identifies there's people who serve us on a regular basis, and we need to show appreciation at times. So I'd like us just to give an applause of thanks for those who do that kind of ministry for us here at the church. When you think of Advent, um, it comes along to be a time of actually anticipation. And historically, the idea of Advent season was to identify or anticipate the second coming of Christ. And we've sort of turned it into the first coming of Christ of a great celebration. But at the same time, we look forward to the time where he comes again to this church, to his church, and is coming to this earth to bring us to him, to bring judgment as well, but to celebrate what that is. So as we have an Advent wreath, as a time of celebration, it just reminds us our anticipation of Christ who will come again. So if you bow together with me, we're just going to pray just our hearts being ready for the word of God as we take a look at it. Well, Lord, we give you thanks for your word and the opportunity of the Spirit of God to work in our hearts in a way that it can uh, not only teach us, but to illuminate the word for us to have understanding. With that understanding, it can be, have the power to encourage us, to strengthen us, to even comfort us. For we all come from different circumstances today. We need a way for you to speak to us. So take the advantage of your spirit, which has that capability of illuminating the word, giving us instruction, offering us hope, able to minister to us. And we're asking you to do that for us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So I'm just curious, how many of you uh, put Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving? See a show of hands? Christmas trees before Thanksgiving? Okay. Now, probably that was not expected when 2020 started, was it? All of a sudden, there's things that we've done because of the unexpected year that we faced. When I think of this year for Mel and I, it's been an unexpected year. We finished up a ministry in Omaha, Nebraska, and unexpectedly found ourselves without ministry for a couple months. And then unexpectedly, we're asked to serve here on a part-time basis or for a temporary basis up through September. And then as that was finishing up, we had the opportunity to serve here again through January. It's been an unexpected year for us as a couple. But I imagine it's been an unexpected year for you as well. When you think of 2020, for some of you, you've had a promotion during this past year. For some of you may come along and not only promotions, but there's actually been a raise that you may have been given. Maybe there's a bonus you received. For some of you, though, also it could have been where you lost a job. And there's been a financial crunch. And all of a sudden, there's this unexpected situation that you're facing. Oh, it could be the sense that all of a sudden you're doing e-learning from home. It's where you're Zooming all the time for work because the unexpected situations that we're facing. It's the fact that you have to wear a mask when you go to the store. You have to wear a mask and social distancing when we worship. It's just an unexpected situation that we face. It's where you spent Thanksgiving this year, probably in a different way than in the past, because it's unexpected situations that you've been facing. Whatever the case may be, 
Things have gone different this year for all of us. And there are big vacation plans you didn't take, trips that you had to cancel. It's been an unexpected year and situation. So what do we do when we face unexpected situations? How do we handle those situations? What do we respond with? When I think of the scriptures, I think somebody who faced the most unexpected situation in the scriptures. I think one of the people would be Joseph. Here he is engaged to Mary, and all of a sudden he discovers and finds out that she's pregnant. Now it's understanding how marriage worked in the New Testament. When it talks about marriage in the New Testament, it was not, uh, well, even though it says they're married and there's going to be a divorce, it's understanding they had a betrothal period. Sort of like our engagement period. It lasted a full year. And during that betrothal period, there's the anticipation you'll be married at the end of it, but you've gone through some ceremony and vows on the front end. And as you have all that in place, the anticipation is this couple will come and about a year later will have a wedding. Wedding led by the husband. He'll get the house all ready, everything prepared, everything. He'll show up at her house one day, take her home, and there's this great celebration that takes place. That's the anticipation and expectation that Joseph is going to have. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, here's what we find that happens for him. The unexpected situation. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. That betrothed was that period I just described. And somehow, all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. The way the story unfolds compared with Luke is that as soon as the Holy Spirit conceived in her that son, that is Jesus, she left Nazareth and went down to Jerusalem to spend time with her cousin Elizabeth. Seems she was there about three months. And she returns back to Nazareth. And somehow at that time, Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. And now the question is, what do you do? There was no sense that he anticipated that his wife-to-be would be pregnant. Especially knowing that he was not the father of that child. So in this unexpected situation, he puts together his plan of how to respond to this. Verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, or a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, it's understand what could have happened here. If he divorced her publicly, he could have taken her to the elders of the city, and according to Deuteronomy, they could have taken her outside the city, And they could have stoned her to death. Now here he's a righteous man. He wants to do the right thing. And doing the right thing also meant he wanted to do the thing that did not shame Mary at all. So quietly he decides to handle this. What he could have done is had just two or three witnesses agree that he'll divorce her. Do it quietly. People wouldn't have to know. She could possibly move back to Jerusalem with her cousin And people would hear of things later, but it would be taken care of. You get the sense of his real love and care for her. A real concern for her. 
a sense that she not be shamed, at the same time protecting his own righteous life before God. And he puts a plan together for his unexpected situation. But then, he goes to sleep one night, and he gets an unexpected explanation of what's going on. Here's what we read. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now he falls asleep. And we find in the scriptures that revelation comes in a variety of ways. Some guy God speaks to people. Sometimes he gives the inspired word of God, which is written out. Sometimes it's with a vision. But sometimes he reveals himself in a dream. It's interesting when you read through Matthew and when you read through Luke, you will find out that Jesus or Joseph gets revealed three times by dreams what God wants him to do. So the angel speaks to him. In the dream, the angel gives revelation to him of actually what had happened. Who would have thought that this pregnancy came about this way? And the angel describes it. How is the pregnancy coming about? He says it this way, that Mary, your wife, has conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, this pregnancy that he has, this one that he's facing as this new husband, is not a pregnancy from another man. And he knew it wasn't from himself. But somehow the Holy Spirit conceived in Mary this child. And with that revelation, it goes on to describe who this child is. It's just not a child, but it gives this long description of who he is. When he calls him Jesus, the word in Old Testament would be Joshua. It means salvation is from the Lord. He said, we're talking about salvation that's going to come to the world. All through this child that Mary is carrying. He describes it this way. He identifies for her that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. He's one that's been promised in the Old Testament all these years. We find also that Jesus is going to be the Savior. He's one that's going to save us from our sins. We find out from this that Jesus is also going to be Emmanuel. That is God with us. And his presence will be given to his people. When we get all the way to Matthew 28, Jesus closes the whole book off with, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God with us. We also find out that Jesus here was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's what brought this together. And finally, we find out that Jesus is confirmed by this angel. All this revelation comes to bear out. For all of a sudden, for Joseph to understand that how did this occur, this unexpected situation, gets this unexpected explanation that this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This child would be the savior of the world. And when he gets that revelation, when he gets that word from God, when he gets those quotations from the Old Testament, 
Joseph responds to what he hears. Here's what transpires now. Here's his unexpected response. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called this name Jesus. So how did he respond? What's unexpected here is the betrothal period is supposed to last a year. Typically, you'd get, have the uh, betrothal period begin. It goes the whole year. We're not sure the time frame, but if it's just three months into this, all of a sudden, he makes a huge change, and he marries her immediately. Doesn't appear to be a wedding, great wedding celebration. He takes her immediately as his wife, putting aside all shame that could be associated with that, but at the same time, taking upon himself the potential of people down the road realizing you know, this baby was born just six months after they were married. It seems like she may have been pregnant beforehand, taking into account all the potential gossip. He does the most unexpected thing, and he decides to marry her immediately. He not only does that, he finds himself obeying exactly what the angel had said. Everything the angel told him to do, he did. And the interesting thing in watching this is what happens when he gets the word of God is that somehow something changes, I think, in the heart of Joseph. I think Joseph all of a sudden finds that there's hope in this difficult situation. That somehow when we experience unexpected situations, things that we didn't plan for or anticipate, that all of a sudden with the scriptures comes hope that is brought into his life. Now, when we think of hope, we oftentimes think it was just something that is wishful thinking, but that's not how the scriptures use hope. Hope in the scriptures comes down much more foundational than that. One writer described it this way. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength in his faithfulness. Another one commented, it's to wait in true faith that's renewed in strength so that it can continue to serve the Lord while looking for his saving work. Hope that comes from the word of God. I mean, here's what we learn here. When there's an unexpected situation, we can find hope in the word of God. There's somehow to know that when unexpected things happen to us, God offers us hope in the word of God. And that somehow when we look at the word we can find hope to endure those unexpected situations. I think a lot of us are like a Joseph. We're facing unexpected situations. We're going through things that we never anticipated. And as we come across those unexpected situations, like Joseph, we need to find hope in the word of God. I'm not sure what your unexpected situations are. I'm not sure what you're wrestling with at this time. But those situations can be all looked at and it could be with your family. That somehow within your family dynamic, you're working through things right now that's an unexpected situation that you never anticipated. It could be with your finances. 
You can be working through some things as you come into this Christmas season, anticipating all that Christmas is supposed to be, but also where your finances are right now. And you're in an unexpected situation. Your finances are not what they were at the beginning of the year. You're not able to do what you've always done. You're wrestling with that crunch of your finances because it's an unexpected situation. And how do you cope and deal with that? It could be the unexpected situation of your work. How many of us expected that we'd be working from home? But the ongoing expectation of that, where all of a sudden you hear the company's reports of finances and how it's going, that things are not going as well as they should be. And you hear rumors of cutbacks and what that may mean for you. Or if your company told you you're going to be still working from home all the way till next June, and the unexpected situation of working from home for another six months. Whatever the job situation is, you're facing a situation that's just unexpected that you didn't anticipate. Oh, it's not only work that can happen. It's also when it comes to school. Who expected schools to be done with e-learning? What did kindergarten parent thought they were going to be sitting with their kid thinking they were going to sit for four hours with a teacher instructing them. Who would have thought that all of a sudden they'd be in class one day and home another day? Who thought in the unexpected situations you're going to have to figure out how you're going to work from home and work with your kids online and pull that all off together? Who expected their kids from college to be home already? Because they're supposed to finish up about Christmas time. Who expected school to be the way it's going? Where colleges have already announced everything's online for the next fall. Who expected colleges to say you're home at Thanksgiving and we're not meeting again till the end of January? Who expected school to be as it is? Much less for the teacher. Who somehow has to sit there with one, two, or three monitors in front of them in order to know what their students look like, to know what they're projecting up on screen, and to see the other things that they want to know. Who expected school to be like that this year? Or it could be the sense of church. How we found ourselves working through church. Who would have expected it this year? Where all of a sudden the times we didn't meet. Where all of a sudden we found ourselves preaching to a camera, which is three of us in a room. Or coming to worship together, putting separation between us to make sure there's a social distancing. Who expected church to be looking like it is as we came into 2020? Or what about your health? Health is one thing we just can't measure. It's always uncertain. But the things you've gone through with health this year, circumstances you've faced with families or friends, The whole situation of coming with COVID and what can imply and wrestling with illnesses that are there and who expected that situation coming into 2020. You know, there's a lot of emotions we have with all these. Oh, we may feel a sense of disappointment. There can be excitement. There can be good things. But one thing that comes out of all those is stress. And stress is something that we do face. I'm not sure we realize how much stress we're under. 
But there's actually a, an inventory that you can take. This inventory, it's called the Holmes Rye Life Stress Inventory. It's interesting when you take this, it, it goes through and it assigns points to every activity that you do. And lets you know here's the stress it creates. Good things. Bad things. Even holidays get stress points of 12. Oh, they do it for adults. They even do it for kids. You can go with the one for teens and find out that all of a sudden dating, high stress. Breaking up, high stress. Being a senior in high school, high stress. Being accepted to the college that you want to go to, high stress. But even for adults, getting married, a pregnancy, adding a child, losing a job, getting a promotion, having marriage conflict, all create stress. And all of a sudden you take the stress and find out it tells you get over 300 points. You have an 80% chance in the next two years of having a health issue related to stress. So I popped in Mary and Joseph. I thought, I wonder what their stress level was. I think I was very conservative. And Joseph came out at 355. A lot of stress. When all of a sudden there's an unexpected situations. We turn to God's word to find hope. Under those stressful situations, it's in God's word you find hope. I was thinking about that. And we regularly talk about you being in the word. And we make this assumption, everybody knows what that means. We even give it terms, we call it devotions, or we call it your quiet time, and we all nod our head, yes, yes, yes. And we may be sitting there saying, what, what, what? Have you ever been taught? Do you really know how? Do you know why? We tell you you should be in the Word on a daily basis. Uh, Let me give you the three P's for a quiet time. The first is is to understand the purpose. Turn to Psalm 19 with me. Psalm 19. It's understanding the purpose of the Word of God in your life. What it can really do in your life. It's not just to read it so you can know it. But the scriptures are intended to really have a purpose, a help, an assistance in your life. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. Listen, as you hear this, just listen as you read there. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true. What does it do? Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there's great reward. There's a great purpose of being in the word. And that's just the starting point. 
Because the second thing is you need a plan. We I mean, had a plan. It's interesting, we watched Jesus. He had this tendency to go away, to be alone. And when he was alone, he prayed. And there's somehow you need a place that you can be alone. A place that is somehow quiet enough that you could pray. And somehow when you start thinking of being in the word on a daily basis, you've got to think through, where is a place? Where is a place that I can go? That I'm alone. Uh, that I could pray. That somebody's not going to bother me. As soon as you hear that, if you've got a large family, you're saying, there's no place. And then you start, oh, I do know there's a place. It's before everybody else gets up. Somehow you know a place that you have to be. You've got a purpose. You've got a place. And your third piece, you need a plan. Uh, let me make a suggestion to you. If you're going to have a plan, you need to realize the Bible is written in books, not just verses. In fact, there were no verses when the Bible was written. There was no chapters when it was written. It was a book. And when you read a book, usually don't, don't you usually start at the beginning and read to the end? So my suggestion, if you've never done this before, if you're thinking of starting this, is pick out a book, and I'll give you a suggestion on books, and just read it from beginning to the end in one sitting. So where do I start? If I were going to read a book, I'd probably start with John. If you've never done that before, use the Gospel of John. If you want something shorter, Philippians is a good one. It deals with some good theology, but it talks about joy. And if you're a very practical person, you want something very practical, use the book of James. So you got five chapters in James. you got four chapters in Philippians. you got 21 chapters in John. And just sit and read the whole thing in one sitting. But then on a daily basis, what do you do next? You have a choice. You can either read a chapter a day or just a paragraph a day. Just a designated section of the next part of the book that you're reading. So that you're following yourself, you're just reading through the book part by part by part. And then what do you do? The next step is the idea of, as you read the chapter of the paragraph, is I'll call it journaling or writing. Just write something down that you learned. Whatever you learned from the passage. You may rewrite the verse in your own words. But somehow, here's what God has taught you to give you hope for the day that you're living. And the final thing you do is pray. What do you pray? You can pray back what you've just read in the scriptures. If God's given you a promise, you can pray that promise. If there's a need in your family, you pray for families. As we prayed for Dan Shoemaker this morning, you can pray for people you know who are in need. But that quiet time becomes a place with purpose, with a place, with a plan that concludes with prayer. We're all going through unexpected situations. And we all need to find hope in the Word of God. But it's not just a dream to find hope, folks. It's that we're actually intentional. Intentional to be in the Word. That God can give us that word of hope in our unexpected situations. Let's close in prayer.
Lord, it's interesting to think that we are so much like a Joseph, where we find ourselves coming across unexpected situations, and as we face those, that we need to find hope. Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, I uphold them to you, that they can uh, find that hope in your word, that as each one of us goes through an unexpected situation, that we bring it before you, and as we bring it before you, that we also find ourselves seeing your spirit work and taking the word of God and giving us hope. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Well, one of the ways that we uh, practice as a church, sort of an Advent every day, every Sunday, is with communion. The reason I say that is at the end of Paul's instructions, they were to proclaim Christ until he comes again. And that's his Advent. That's his second Advent. So this morning, sitting by your chairs there on the floor, you'll find a cup. And uh, that has both the bread and the juice. If you peel back the top piece, you get the bread. And then peel off the bottom piece, you get the juice. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we invite you to partake if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a member of our church. But you do have to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ. That is that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What I mean by that is that you recognize that you're a sinner, that, that Christ died on the cross for your sins, that he was raised on the third day, and that believing in him, trusting in him, gives you that eternal life. And we invite you to trust in him today. But if you don't know Christ, we invite you not to partake. Because this is a celebration that believers have. It's a proclamation that we're followers of Jesus Christ. And as we come to this, it seems that the Lord also told us that there's a time of preparation. Remembering all that he did for us, his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. But it also reminds us there's a fellowship we have with Christ. And there's sin that we commit even as believers in Jesus Christ. And it's a time of confession of those sins. It's a time of thanksgiving of what he's done for us. So we're going to go prayer silently, preparing for communion. Whatever your heart needs to do, a time you could trust in Christ, a time you could confess sin to Christ, a time you can give thanks to him for what he's done for you. Let's go to silent prayer and then we'll partake together, okay? Okay.